Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education from across the country. I am Karen Sarah Watson, and I am a teacher. This podcast is for those who want to better understand the experiences of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast. Today, I'm honored to have Jeanette Corselius on. She's from Virginia. Jeanette, tell us about yourself. She's a huge activist and um, with the Fairfax Education Association and the, N, the National Education Association too, um, organization too. So can you tell me about yourself, what you teach and what's happening with you right now? Awesome. So. I am a music educator in Fairfax County Public Schools. So I'm in my sixth year teaching. I teach general music, chorus, and yoga in our schools. That's a new thing actually this year where I'm being able to teach yoga on Mondays during our enrichment block. <clears throat> and yes, I do a lot of activist activism work and um, I was newly appointed to the Fairfax Education Association as a board member. And we've been fighting real hard in our uh, community to keep our schools closed. Um, there's a big fight to bring the, the teachers and staff back, but our numbers are rising steadily. And um, yeah, and I, I also work and um, uh, fight with the National Educators United group as a national uh, facilitator. And I also was a part of a group of people who started a UCOR caucus in Virginia called VCOR. So UCOR stands for United Caucus of Rank and File Educators. So basically we're a group of people who want to make our locals and our state union more radical, more leftist, more about social justice unionism rather than business unionism. Um, you know, as you're probably aware, NEA is the largest uh, teachers union, educators union in the country and uh, both AFT and NEA together have, I mean, they're the both the two most powerful unions in the country, but unfortunately they're run very much like a business union. It, and, and we need to get away from that if we want to make real change, if we want to, uh, we want to get away from electoralism right now. I mean, it's, uh, Friday, November 6th, and yeah, fighting our exactly. nails, you know, we're, right. so I could go on and on about that, but I was really disappointed, I'll just briefly say, I was disappointed when um, NEA endorsed Biden over Bernie, and even Warren, folks who had better education plans and policies, but they just went with someone that they felt could win because of I mean, they could, anyways, we could go on and on about that, but <clears throat> I think the, re the reason why people are really biting their nails is because um, Biden was not the most attractive choice for liberals and leftists. So um, 
we really, really need to get away from electoralism and neoliberalism, and we really need to move on to this, to this uh, social justice unionism, really fight on the ground because withholding our labor is the, the best and really the only way of getting people to care and to listen and to notice you. So, um, right. So to, let's start with like where, where you came from and we'll go back to COVID before, you know, we went back to school, what happened and where you are now. So I kind of want to trace back for a little bit because, you know, I've, I've talked to uh, other people um, from, um, from Fairfax Education Association and also National Educators United. And we've talked to people from there um, throughout this whole thing. So I'm curious what your story is in terms of, um, you know, it started with like not wanting to go back to school for safe schools. So can you just kind of trace us back a little bit and kind of lead us into where we are now? For sure. So even before uh, COVID was a thing on our minds or on our radar, um, our local and our state union has been focusing a lot on collective bargaining because, well, we're a right to work state and we're seen more as an association than a union. And um, I mean, you're probably aware, or our listeners are aware that uh, anti-union sentiments have been going strong for the past 30 years, probably even 50 years. Right. And we neglect the labor movement and how important and essential it was in conjunction to the civil rights movement. And right now, okay, Virginia is what, like number one in business, but for teacher salaries, we're like last because of the high cost of living. I live in Fairfax, Virginia, and uh, that's a suburb of DC. And ever since Bezos moved here and moved to uh, move and created an Amazon um, factory, it's just been hiking up the cost of living. And so <clears throat> we were set to have a raise, a, a raise that we fought for, um, we lobbied for, and also a raise that we, um, a step increase, but we lost our step increase because we were told that, well, if we wanna keep all of our jobs, um, we just need to be grateful due to COVID. So back March 13th, when we were finding out people were getting COVID and that was, uh, it was a real thing and it was spread through the air, um, we, we had to close it down and many people were calling both um, FEA and FCT, FCFT, which is the AFT local in our, um, in, in our county. Their uh, members were calling both groups and even the uh, association, which is AFPE, they are not a union. Uh, they'll tell you that. Uh, so so either, either of those organizations and just calling frank, fran frantically and because we were supposed to come back on Monday for uh, you know te a teacher work day to get to get ready, but I knew I had like a sixth sense that we were going to close. So I got everything online. I emailed all my parents, got ready, what have you. So we just didn't know how long this was going to last. And then we started having union meetings, like all member union meetings, 
And I was already a building rep at both my schools. I'm an itinerant music educator. So if you're itinerant, you could be at anywhere between two to five schools. So I was there and it, and I, be, I believe this was maybe April or May, I really can't remember which day it was, forgive me, but one of our members, specifically a board member, uh, called the question, put the motion on the table to say what our stance was. And our stance is that, is the most radical one in the country, honestly, which is we will not go back until there is a cure or a vaccine, until the virus is over, completely over. That is the most radical, most um, intensive stance, even more um, radical than the NEU metric that the Safe Return to Schools Committee came up with, which was um, leave 24 days, no, no spread, um, no community spread. Uh, and then you see there's other metrics where it's like 14 days and what have you. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's where it came, that, that's where it was and uh, where we were at then. And we had to keep fighting uh, for the next year. And it, it went on over the summer and even the principals associations got involved and stood by us. And um, it's just been really hard. And um, just focusing on like teacher mental health, uh, making sure that our workload is not too overwhelming and uh, making sure we're fighting for uh, collective bargaining and just also the regular issues that we have in our school system uh, day in and day out, year to year. So a uh, week, I wanna say two weeks ago. Um, Wait, I have a question before you go there. Are you, is, did, did you get what you wanted? Like, is everyone remote? Oh yeah. everyone get? Yeah, we so are. Currently, we, we were, we started remotely, uh, virtually, and we had a delay in the start of the school year because we, we started to uh, begin the school year two weeks before the um, that Labor Day date. But we started after Labor Day, actually, to get us prepared. We had more professional development. And we were told by our school board and our superintendent that they were going to reassess after the first nine weeks, after the first quarter. Well, that was a lie. Because after the first three weeks of school, they started reassessing and saying, we're going to start bringing people back in phase, phases, phase, through a phased in approach. So that was really frustrating because they lied. And the number of cases are steadily rising. We're above the 5% threshold, the metric that we were told, but there's a lot of lying going on. So we don't know what that threshold is anymore. Um, but counties all around us are starting to pause their return to school plans. Alexandria City Public Schools, they are staying virtual the whole entire year. Um, Arlington paused their in-person return, um, PG County, DC public schools, Baltimore city schools. So why aren't we, you know, why aren't we? 
are you are you hybrid? Is that what they're doing with you? You're like you do you how do you yourself have both in person and remote, or are you only, yourself only remote? So right now I'm uh, remote because I'm a specialist, and um, we don't start going back until kindergarten goes back on the 16th of November. Um, thankfully, I have really great administrators who are accommodating people, regardless of an ADA accommodation. But um, specialists are going to be going back with kindergarten. Kindergarten goes back November 16th. So it's, it's more than a hybrid model, actually. It's called concurrent, which has no basis in best practice or any data points. It's really not a good idea for um, pre-kindergarten through 12th grade. It was something they used in the college and university settings. And it's a mess. So what we're going to be doing, if you're not aware, what concurrent is, is as an instructor, a teacher, is going to be teaching in their classroom to students in person and yeah. then also uh, students at home. Right. <laughs> so it's it's wild. And is that I, what you're is that what you're doing right now? No, no, I'm virtual right now. You're virtual. That's right. You're virtual. I'm sorry. Because I've talked to teachers who have been doing that and they said it's it's the most frustrating. Um, thing is to try to teach people on Zoom while you're teaching a live classroom and trying to get to everyone. And that's just insanity. So I, I, I have heard that. Um, we are, you know, we went back to school in, in September. Like we went back and immediately um, we have some pods that are full time. You know, we have some pods that come like you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, but I'm, um, I'm mostly in person and, and rem I'm doing both re remote and in person. So I'm just amazed that other places were able to get their, get their schools to do remote. Cause it's like living in New York city, which was had one of the highest rates. I mean, our rate obviously was really good. Um, that that's not even a thought. It's not even a thought for everyone to go remote anymore. Like, it's like, we're, we're in it, you know? Yeah, and it's very scary because it's not just like the difficulty with classroom management, but also the fear of the virus. Like there are so many things added to our shoulders and the hats that we, we that we wear that we have to make sure that the students are socially distanced or they're wearing their masks and what have you. So there's just so many things. And, and with my content area in particular, being a music educator, uh, it's totally going to decimate music education because we can't sing in person or really play our instruments. So it's just not safe. Um, so yeah, we're, we're fighting. You know, we had a rally last night. We had another one last Friday. And um, we also had a um, mental health day. We, we had an all member meeting where uh, we were discussing what action, what what kind of actions we could take, and some people were like, "Let's do work to work to the rule," and that was the last thing FDA did um, as their biggest action, like back in the '90s. But everyone was like, "I've done work to the rule before; it doesn't do anything, and it's not going to work." That? What is that? sorry? What's work to the rule? Work to the rule is when you literally only work when you're on the clock during your um your uh the hours that you're scheduled to work your contract hours which is if you as an educator 
that is literally impossible, especially in this virtual setting. Um, but even, even still, because lesson planning and what have you, you know, we use our planning periods for a lot of other things, for meetings and student emergencies. Um, so your planning time just gets quickly eaten up those five hours that you have a week. Um, so, you know, I know myself, I work after school because I like to be able to work without interruptions. And if I know, oh my gosh, I have to go to a class or do this, or if when we were in person, I would do everything I could to make sure students were feeling safe or, you know, happy or, you know, visit other teachers, what have you. So work to the rule, it, it works when you're in person because then you're not going to, to like back to school nights or concerts or you're not, um, doing before school meetings or after school meetings or just anything that's outside of contract hours. It could be games, um, whether it's a football game, basketball game, just different things like that. So it's, it's meant to slow down the wheel. It's supposed to, you're supposed to like add more cogs to the wheel. That's what work to the rule is. It just, but it wasn't something we wanted to do. So there was a motion that was put on the table I'm not gonna say who did that, but there's a motion that was put on the table to do a sick out. And um, we overwhelmingly voted yes. And, um, but we reframed it as a mental health day. And with that, um, with that mental health day, we had this meeting on a Monday, uh, in the evening and then our mental health day was on Wednesday. So we had one day to, to rally our educators to do this. And it was the last week of the quarter. So there was just so much, you know, and it was very hard. And unfortunately, um, uh, the other, our other union and our other association didn't want to endorse it. And it was really sad because there, that solidarity wasn't there. But many people participated who were not members of our union. They were probably members of the other union or association, or they were not even, they're potential members. And they participated and they were like, wow, FBA is taking real action. I wanna be a part of this group. And to the point that FCPS is not letting us know how many people took part we don't know, they won't tell us. And I'm curious, I'm very curious. And a lot of people are curious. They keep asking me how many people participated in that. And then next week, I think it was Mon the next Monday, uh, DCPS did the same thing. They had a sick out mental health day um, through their local WTU. And before the end of the day, they said, we're gonna be virtual. We're staying virtual, we're not going back. They won their, you know, they got what they wanted. Uh, so that's wow. great. I'm glad we inspired that. I think we did, I believe so, because it was close together. Yeah, um, probably. Did we get some of the things that we wanted? Well, we got an extension for the, for the first quarter. Uh, we got an extension to apply for ADA or leave of absence, 
but we didn't get what we wanted, which was stay virtual until it's safe. And right. yeah, and the big reason why the school board and superintendent aren't listening to science and us and the educators is because of this group called hashtag open FCPS. And um, this group is filled with a lot of right wingers, uh, anti-science folks, anti-vaxxers, you name it. And they're a, they're a very loud minority. And it's really disheartening because the majority of families and communities don't wanna go back. Right. And while virtual learning is not ideal, it really isn't. I wish we could be back in person. I wish this was all over. It's not, it's just not safe. And virtual learning is working for most students, for the majority of students. Uh, yeah, like 85%, 95, 90%. For the other 15 and 10% are students of highest need, greatest need, or special needs students, our ESOL newcomers. Things could be worked out, I'm sure, but the, the frantic, crazy wondering if our students are gonna be left behind should fall away when thinking about students' lives. Not right. only their lives, but staff lives, families' lives, a community. Um, our students are so resilient. They're going to come a long way no matter what. And they're learning lessons about this whole travesty. They're learning a lot about humans and they're learning a lot about how adults can't get along and work together. And they're realizing, wow, when I grow up, I don't want this to ever happen again. You know, and I don't talk about these things with my students because it's just not age appropriate. And I only see them for 30 minutes a week, um, depending on which school I'm at. I, but it's, these things are brought up and you can tell that they, they just speak their minds sometimes. So I wish that the adults who are pushing the return could realize that our students, while they are sad and they, they really miss being in person, they don't want to lose their lives. They don't want a peer to lose their life. They don't want a teacher or a staff member, beloved st staff member to lose their life. Right. Right. So what, so, so now we're, you're in this place where, um, you don't know when they're going to start having kids come back. So where, where, how are you fighting now and where are you going to go from here? Well, so they already have a few groups back in already, a few different phases and cohorts. Um, and the, the specialists and the kindergarten groups, we like, we're set to go back November 16th, but I don't, I, I, I mean, I hope that's not going to happen. We're pushing and we're pressing and we're, contacting and doing all we can with the school board and superintendent. We're doing everything we can. Um, because after that November group, we will be having groups coming back in January and February and probably even earlier because we have superintendent and school board 
members saying they want to bring more kids back sooner. So they're just pushing it up and up each time. And are they getting pressure from these right-wing um, radical groups? Is that, are they, is that where the pressure is coming from? It is. And, um, you know, we know that there are community members who are also pressuring them not to do that. And they're, they're upset about the concurrent model too, especially the parents who want to stay virtual. They're upset that they know that an educator is going to be in the room teaching kids in person, but also on the computer virtually. And they know that their kid who's, who's going to be virtual is going to be neglected or that's what they, you know, we would hope that wouldn't be, wouldn't happen, but it's just, Anyone who's a teacher knows that when you're already in person, you have a lot to deal with and manage and right. um, there's a lot going on at all times. So to really commit yourself to your student group, we should really have, I mean, if like we were going to do, which was the hybrid model, we were going to have teachers who were uh, virtual only and teachers who were hybrid only that would be fine but also still you know we would still be getting covid um and this is a major metropolitan area we're in the dc area most of the educators live in other parts other counties they commute um and another thing that's being neglected too in this conversation is the the communities that have the highest risk of covid our, our students and families of color, our black and brown students and families of color, they like certain uh, pockets of the county um, have higher rates of COVID. And those are also coinciding with groups that they want to go back the earliest as well. Right. So it's, it's, it's a disaster waiting to happen. What kind of uh, plans do you have to deal with that as a collective group? Well, we're 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 thinking about it. Um, we're we're constantly meeting and reassessing, and it's really hard to say right now. I'm not sure. Uh, the pinnacle that we met was with the mental health day. Are we going to? move forward and do like a right to work state strike or, you know, as a, as a hat tip off to um, the red state strikes. I mean, Virginia is not a red state anymore. It hasn't been for a while. It's a blue state, but we're a right to work state and people always bring that up. And in order for a strike to be super effective, because I did go to Jane McAlevey's strike school or interna international strike school about a month or two ago. In order for strikes to be effective, it needs to be a super majority strike. So almost anywhere between 90 to 100% participants so that there's no failure, there's no there aren't any repercussions. Um, and We've done a lot of structure tests. I don't think we're there yet. Right. I hate to say that. Um, as someone who loves direct action, who's been an activist for 11 years, we're and as much I want to so badly, but we're just not there yet. Um, 
I don't know why we aren't. Uh, I think it has to do a lot with the martyrdom of educators. They, they're willing to right. risk it all for their students. And, and people know that. So they're taking yeah. advantage of it. A lot of educators died. God, in New York, we had like a couple hundred teachers die of COVID, um, just, of, just of COVID. Um, you know, and then we don't know what's going to happen when the numbers are going up. They said there's going to be another wave. We don't know what's that, when that's going to happen and how much things are changing. We're just kind of going along being like, okay, I think this is it. But as soon as those numbers go up, supposedly it, it's going to, we're going to go back to remote, at least where we are. But um, educators are the martyrs. I mean, we can hope that, you know, hopefully crossing my fingers and toes and everything in me with change to change of administration, we can get a real secretary of education from the top to help. You know, we don't know this right now, maybe when this is released. Well, I did actually see something today um, because I'm in a bunch of teacher Facebook groups. Uh, some word is getting out in the badass teachers association that there's already a name being floated around. So that's awesome. I'm really right. glad. I wonder who that person is. I'm so excited. They, right. yeah, the name, we are going to start hearing names in one to two weeks. And I know okay. a lot of educators are like, that is the first person that needs to go out the door. Well, one right. of, them. <laughs> one of yeah. them. Besides the leader and crazy person. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, getting rid of her because that has been one of the worst things that's ever happened to education is having that is, you know, and, and Jill Biden is an educator and she cares and she, it's the first thing she said was that we're gonna, we're gonna get rid of that. So I'm still hoping, you know, still keeping positive about the election, I'm too afraid. We've been like in fear of like actually being like, is it really gonna happen? But obviously when this podcast is released, it uh, hopefully will, everybody will know and I'll be like, yes, it did happen. So. <laughs> But um, I mean, it does, it, 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 it helps to have that leadership above and we haven't had that. And again, you're, you're talking about, I mean, you're talking about you're in a blue state, but I feel very bad for some of these red states where it's just like a majority is, you know, like get back to school, let's, let's just crowd the classrooms again. And, you know, and those are teachers who are getting sick and losing their lives. And, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's true teachers teachers do sacrifice themselves for these jobs and they don't get credit enough for that. For sure. And even with our state, which was one of the first to close down because uh, Governor Northam is a physician, he is a doctor, um, and he was taking this very seriously, but I believe because of the pressures of business, consumerism, fact that we're a you know a capitalist country, a capitalist society. We just got to keep producing and selling and making stuff, and we got to save the economy at all costs. But maybe we should reassess why is it that when we close down for public health and public safety, we worry about 
uh, business more than people's lives. And of course, right. you know, I mean, we have billionaires that got richer. And um, so I think we, this, we, as in this country, we always have money to help people. We just don't use it because we we're corrupt. This is a corrupt nation. Yeah. Um, so whether blue state or red state, uh, these governors and um, state secretary of education or um, state superintendents or superintendents, school boards, they're putting business needs over the health and safety of our students and that's happening in New York too. And we're, yeah. you know, so you're right. It isn't really about, and you're absolutely right about that. It's not blue or red. It's about who is leading and just America in general, the consumerism and stuff like that. So that's a really interesting point. Um, is there anything else you want to share about some of the work where if people want to join um, organizations, do you want to share any of that before we, oh, we wrap this up? Of course. So I recommend all educators, whether you're a teacher or an ESP, if uh, education support professional, whether you're a classroom teacher, specialist, resource teacher, bus driver, custodian, cafeteria worker, uh, office staff member, join your union, whether it's an NEA affiliate or an AFT affiliate, please join your union. And if you're not an educator, but you're interested in the labor movement and you care about it and you want to reinvigorate and revive this um, integral movement, please join any union. And if you need help with that, you know, you can always contact me or uh, your local teachers union, they'll, they'll, they'll direct you to someone else. So whether it's NEA or AFT, uh, you can organize with NEU as well. Um, all of these groups have um, Facebook groups, websites, Twitter, Instagram. And we're going to post that. So I'll yeah. post all, yeah, you'll, you'll give me that stuff. And I'm, I'm going to post the names of this so people are aware. I, you know, I'm always saying to, on this podcast that I bring the, I bring people like you on to, so that teachers who are maybe afraid to speak up or feel like they, they have no rights or they have nowhere to go, that they're not alone and that there are many groups out there that can empower you in numbers like you can you can get together with other teachers and together i see all that's happened with um, national educator united and like you guys like like co the, the collective work that has led to change and it can happen if we get together and i think that it's it's fantastic to have people on especially like you who work your butt off to make sure to get equality in education and also to make sure that um, we're protected, teachers are protected. For sure, and definitely get connected with UCOR, especially if you're someone already in a union who wants to push your union out of business unionism into social justice unionism, get involved with the United Caucus of Rank and File Educators. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Jeanette, for coming on and sharing your wisdom about what's happening with you. I wish you all the best and, and hope that you keep teaching remote and you're safe. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you back. We'll bring you back in a, maybe in a couple months or something and see how things are going and check back in with, in with you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Karen. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We appreciate you too. Take care. Thanks for listening. 
The Warriors of Education podcast is produced by me, Karen Sarah Watson, and edited by Alyssa Renzi. If you are a teacher or you know of a teacher who has a great story, you can find us at warriorsofeducation.com or email us at warriorsofeducation at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Teachers, we hear you, we see you, we honor you. 